Well, thank you for being here. Open with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. If you weren't here Wednesday night, I preach from this same passage of Scripture. And I'm not here to repeat that this morning. I hope that God will help me to move on in a further direction. But I have felt drawn. As a matter of fact, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the little sleep that I got last night and uh, gave me a few more things to share with you today or talk to you about. And uh, I'm going to endeavor to do that. First Kings chapter 19, verse number 5. And uh, it reads like this. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, speaking of Elijah, Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and he drank and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Going back to verse number seven, I want to draw your attention to the latter portion of that verse where he said because of the journey because the journey is too great for thee and I want to use that as my subject this morning because of the journey say that with me because of the journey because of the journey amen before you're seated I don't know how many of you are aware of this. He got the memo. I wore this today in honor of Brother Jay and Sister Cindy. Most of you may not be aware, but they just found out they are expecting. And I told everybody that was at Cracker Barrel Sunday night that we were going to wear pink today in honor of them so that they would get a girl this time. And what Sister Cindy said she didn't want was a girly boy. So we have to make sure we're specific in our prayer. God bless them with a healthy baby, but it would be really great if it came out a girl. Amen. Praise God. We love Brother Jay and Sister Cindy. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you are seated. Praise God. You and I are on a journey this morning, and we are going somewhere. One of the things that, as a minister, I find being called upon is to deal with people who are in the process of journeying in life. And as a preacher and a minister, you are called upon to help give direction, guidance, uh, counsel, advice, preach the word, 
minister the Word of God and the principles of God's Word. What I don't have the privilege of doing is going back in your past and dealing with what you've done. Uh, We are here this morning and where we came from is exactly that, where we came from. Even this very morning, you cannot go back and retrace those steps. We have to deal with life as we meet it and we have to deal with it as it is at this particular moment. And many times life gets hung up in this juncture of dealing with yesterday or last week or last month or a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago and dealing with right now and more so what we're looking to in the future. Where are we going? Where are we headed? And we are all headed Somewhere. We are all on a journey. None of us are at a standing point today. None of us are, even though we may feel like we're not moving anywhere, our life is still moving towards something. And so it was for Elijah. None of us can make it on this journey by ourselves. And our need today is of a divine assistance. And what strikes me about this particular passage of Scripture is that God knew all of this that was going to happen in Elijah's life before it ever happened. And God prepared something for him ahead of time. He prepared something for him before All of the events had transpired. God already had a plan in motion and already had a plan set up to deal with this particular juncture of his life. The journey of life, as I mentioned to some Wednesday night, is is never a straight line. It it is never an easy way. It's always an up and down, a here and there, a mountain, a valley, a problem, a challenge. We, we never go in life on a straight journey. It is never easy and life is never stress-free. Did you hear me? Life is never stress-free. At some point in our life, there is always going to be some kind of pressure that is applied to us and our life at that particular moment. And how quickly life can turn for us. How quickly life can pivot from victory to what seems to be defeat. The striking thing that arrests me about this passage was the suddenness of the change in the spirit of Elijah. If you go back one chapter, you would not even believe that you're reading about the same man. If you go back just a few verses, if you go back just to the, to the end of chapter 18, you are reading about a man who is running under the anointing and the guidance of the Spirit 
And he outruns a chariot into Jezreel because of the anointing and the energy, the spiritual energy that was working in his life at this particular moment. And yet the very next chapter, he is, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's, you, you don't even recognize that you're looking at the same man. You don't realize that we're talking about the same person. And that's how quickly life can change. Things strike in our life and, and one moment can overturn and overwhelm you. And it can literally torpedo your life. One moment you can be on top of the world. And the very next moment the world can be on top of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How quickly life can change. One announcement. One announcement. One letter. One comment by somebody. One word from the wrong place. And everything in life is turned upside down. And life thrusts us into situations that are uncertain. And we do not always respond to them appropriately. If there is any lesson that I have learned from reading and studying this particular passage of Scripture... And the drama that unfolded in Elijah's life. It is the simple yet powerful fact of how dangerous it is to react to life. How dangerous it is to react to life. How dangerous it is to allow the moment to dictate and determine your action or your decision. There is no peril like the peril of reacting and reaction. There is nothing that can thrust you into a bad situation like reacting to the moment. Reacting to whatever's happening to you. And so it was for Elijah. The whole crux of the matter is that Elijah reacted to a moment. He reacted to a letter. He reacted to the announcement from Jezebel that she was going to do to him what he had done to all the prophets of Baal and that one moment and the reaction to that one moment turned his world upside down. And now a man who if you go to chapter 18 again, you go to chapter 17, he, he is introduced to us as a man of action. He is a man with purpose. He's a man that knows where he's going. He knows what he's been called to do. He knows what God has brought him to the moment for. And when you first meet him in chapter 17, he acts decisively. He is acting. He is not reacting to life. And he says what God gives him to say, even though it was painful and hurtful. Do you, can I stop for a moment and tell you that sometimes even God has to tell us things that he doesn't want to have to tell us, but he has to tell us because of the decisions and the attitudes of our own life. And so Elijah is called in and he announces there's not going to be another drop of water fall on this land until a certain period of time has passed because of the sin of God's people. And the heavens dried up. There wasn't even any dew on the ground. 
And it was a, a, it was a barren, desolate place. He is a man who is acting. He goes to Mount Carmel to face the prophets of Baal. He is not reacting to a moment. He's not allowing the moment to determine what's going to happen. He is acting boldly, confidently, knowing what God has spoken to him. And every step that he takes is a step that is marked by the hand of God, leading him here, leading him there, directing him to this place. And now he stands victorious. The prophets of Baal have been slain. He goes to the mountaintop to pray. He sends Ahab ahead to to feast and fellowship. And while Ahab is eating and drinking, Elijah puts his head between his knees and he begins to pray until God sends a sign. And then he gets up and goes, go tell Ahab it's about to rain. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. He girds the loins of his garment and he begins to run under the anointing of the Spirit and he outruns a chariot all the way to Jezreel. He's acting until you get to chapter 19 and all of a sudden he reacts. He reacts. Brother Hughes, how, well, let me just, panic sets in. When, you, when, you, when people start reacting to life, panic sets in. We lose our sense of good thinking. We, we lose our ability to be rational at moments like that. And something happened in Elijah's life that pushed him into that kind of moment. And now he's reacting to that moment. And panic has set in. And he faces this threat. And the only thing that his flesh knows to do is run. Isn't that what we usually do? Run. And so he takes off. Now, how do I know whether I'm reacting or acting in life? The Lord gave me three things that I I, I feel like I need to share with somebody this morning. Number one, you know whether you're acting or reacting in life according to the state of your mind or spirit. And when you become panicky, And when you become fearful and frantic, it's a good sign that you are no longer acting but reacting to life. When you allow a moment, and listen to me, it was just a moment. It was just a segment of his life. It wasn't the totality of his life. It wasn't everything Elijah was going to experience in life. It was just one segment of his life that he reacted to. And when he reacted to it, he became fearful and distraught and panicked. And he wants to die. And he said, I'm no better than my father's. And he gives up and he is uncertain of anything any longer. Fear rises. And faith gives way to that frantic panic. And then it goes down. Number two. You know whether you're acting or reacting in life according to the direction that you're headed. The direction that you're headed. What direction is your life taking at this particular juncture in life? How do I know whether I'm reacting? Look at where I'm going. Instead of him staying where he was, 
instead of him staying in the will of God where he was, he jumps up and he heads to the wilderness. He wants to get away from everybody that he can get away from. He even got away from his own manservant. He didn't even want his servant with him. He leaves him in one place and he goes further into the wilderness so he could be all alone and he falls under a juniper tree and he begs God for him to die. He said, I'm no better than my father. So where are you headed? Life is being motivated by reaction. We can see that by the fleeing into the wilderness, the running away, the panic of the moment, and the going away from what God was calling him to. Number three, it is evident that I am panicking and reacting to life when I begin to devalue my own life. He said, I am no better than my father, which literally meant he had looked back at those things that had happened to the prophets under Ahab and the false prophets of Jezebel. They had been slain and he said, I'm a failure. I've, I, I failed in my mission. I failed in my purpose and I am no better than my father and the same fate awaits me that awaited them. I'm going to suffer the same thing when those three things are happening in your life. It's a good sign that you're reacting to life, not acting. And when we begin to react to life, the story's not going to be any different than what happened in Elijah's life. Amen. And so here he is now. He's, he's in a fit of despair, wishing he could die, not wanting to be around anyone, wanting to give up on life, wanting to throw in the towel, Wanting to go away, wanting to hide, wanting to be forgotten, wanting to stop being who he was. He's tired of being the prophet of God. He's tired of being a messenger of God. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight anymore. I don't want the pressure on me. I don't want, I don't want the stress in my life. And then God does something truly amazing and marvelous. Instead of God taking out his belt and just whipping the fire out of Elijah, God lets him go to that tree and lay down and go to sleep. And then God gets busy in the kitchen. And he prepares him a meal. Because he knows what, what Elijah does not seem to understand. Is that the journey is too great for you. It's not too great for me. But it's too great for you. And so God gets busy and he makes him a cake. And he brings a cruise of water and he sets it by his head and he taps him on the side. The angel of the Lord taps him on the side and said, Elijah, wake up. Wake up, Elijah. Elijah wakes up and he sees this cake and this cruise of water. I don't even know if he wiped enough sleep out of his eyes to realize that that it was a miracle that God had provided, that God had already made a way for him in this wilderness, that God had already provided for him. But he wakes up enough to eat a little bit and drink a little bit, and then just sheer exhaustion, he goes right back to sleep. God doesn't beat him. God doesn't take up the food and say, okay, I'm going to go find somebody else. God stays there. He lets him sleep a little while, and he wakes him up again. He shakes him and said, Elijah... 
Elijah wake up. And that's when God announces to him the reason that he needed to awake. He said that you need to awake and eat and drink because the journey is too great for you. Because the journey and what I have provided for you, what I have provided for you is the only thing that is going to sustain you. It's the only thing that's going to see you through. It's the only thing that's going to enable you to get through this moment. It's the only thing that's going to enable you to get your mind back. It's the only thing that's going to enable you to get your spirit back. You're going to have to wake up and eat what God has prepared for you. And so Elijah wakes and he eats. And the Bible said that he was able to go in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights. You talk about protein. You talk about super nutrient. You talk about five-hour energy. Five-hour energy didn't have anything on what God put. I don't know what God put in that meal. But what I'm trying to tell you is that when God prepares a meal for you on your journey, you better wake up and eat it because God knows what's ahead of you and God knows what it's going to take to get you where you're going and you're not going to get there by yourself. You're not going to get there unless you eat what God has prepared for you. And he was able to make the journey. He was able to overcome his panic. He was able to overcome his fear. He was able to overcome the the, the despair, the despondency, all of the depression that set in. He was able to put all of that behind him because of the miraculous power of the meat that God had prepared for him. Can I tell somebody here this morning that there's miracle in the food that God prepares and there's empowerment and enablement. You may think it's just a Sunday morning. You may think it's just time change Sunday and I can't wait till church is over. But God prepared a meal for you because he saw what was ahead of you. He saw what was coming down your way. He saw where your feet were going to take you and he prepared a meal for you before you ever got there that would get you through whatever you got to go through. Woo! Hallelujah. Am I preaching to anybody here this morning? You're not lost in your journey. God hasn't lost your location. God's not trying to pull out some GPS device this morning and figure out where you're pinging from. He knows where you are. And he's already dispatched an angel. I need you to be at that point, at that time, for my person, for my man. I need you.